Welcome to the Satori Lifestyle Podcast. My name is Dave Kovar, and thanks for tuning in today. If this is your first time on our podcast, I appreciate you being here. And if you've been here before, thanks for coming back. The title of today's podcast is 12 Lessons I Learned from My Father. My father, Len Kovar, as of this uh, taping, is 96 and a half years old. Uh, he, he's alive and doing well. My mom's still around as well. She's 92. And, and you know, that generation, they might, uh, uh, is, they're just hardy people. My, my folks grew up in the Depression, right? And they're just appreciative and, and they don't complain about stuff. And, and uh, uh, that's why I think a lot, of, it's a lot of times they're called the greatest generation. And, uh, of course, I'm biased. This is my parents, right? But I've heard this from other sources as well. But he, uh, my, my father was a World War II vet. He, he was a bombardier navigator. Uh, he actually uh, was shot down over his 11th mission when he was flying over Budapest, Hungary. And he spent nine months behind enemy lines. Actually, the, about a week behind enemy lines is that trying to get back to safety. And then he was captured and he spent the rest of the time in a prisoner war camp. And he did a couple death marches. He survived a near firing squad. He had all kinds that was left for dead in one point because of botulism. It had all these, these, these crazy stuff happen. And, and, and so what, somewhere at, at one point, he, uh, in his darkest moment, he was in this boxcar with 60 other guys and, and everybody was sick and he was feeble and weak and wonder if he's going to make it. And he, at that moment, said a little prayer and said, you know, God, if you get me home, I'll do two things. You know, first off, I'm going to, I'm going to finish college. I'm going to get my degree. Number two is I'm going to give my life to you. I'm going to, I'll go into the, uh, be going to the ministry. And, and so he managed to get through and that's what he did. He dedicated his life, right? Uh, to other people, for other people. And, and, uh, he came out and he just, he's always had this just, uh, uh, what amazing bit of wisdom. And so, uh, in putting together this podcast, I, it was great. It was really fun process to do. I was able to take a trip down memory lane and look at various things that I've written through the years and and, and to come up with a list of 12 things, 12 specific lessons. And I'm sure there's a lot more, but uh, 12 specific lessons that I learned from my father that I want to share with you. And hopefully you can learn some of them from him as well. Now, uh, as always, you know, uh, most of the stuff that I'm going to share with you guys, you already know, right? But sometimes it's, it's just a valuable reminded. So let's talk about lesson number one that I learned from my father. And that is a little of something is better than a lot of nothing. So my pop, uh, was always in shape his whole life. Uh, and, and we're not talking like I, he never ran a marathon, you know, he never entered a powerlifting contest. But boy, he, he was all, he always kept himself lean and fit. And, and what his trick was he didn't go to the gym three times a week for two hours. He had a daily routine that he did. And by the way, it only took about eight or nine minutes max. And he had about 20 exercises uh, with which at any given day, I never quite fully understand what he was doing, uh, how, what his routine was like. But basically, he would, he would do uh, seven or eight of these extra, different exercises every day. And he would never miss. When I say never miss, I'm saying he might miss once a month or something. But it was a very rare occurrence. Um, and I remember one time, my, actually my earliest memory, you know, coming into the living room, wiping the tears, you know, you know, tears and, and what sleep out of my eyes. And what do you know? There's my pop, you know, doing calisthenics in the living room, right? And so over the years, I just kind of got used to this routine, seeing it. And, and I'd actually played along with him every now and then. When I was a little kid, it was kind of fun, right? And that's certainly where I got kind of, I think, my, my quest for fitness that I still have to this day. But I remember one time in my early 20s, I'm competing. I'm, I'm doing really well in the regional tournament circuit in martial arts. And I'm, I'm training all the time. I'm at the gym all the time. I've got a 300-pound bench press. And I'm sparring top competitors and and and. and and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty full of myself if the truth is known, right? And I remember seeing my going home and visiting my folks and 
and it's like a Sunday morning and, and my dad's doing his little ditty or Saturday morning, whatever day it was. And I, I remember looking at him thinking, dad, that only took, you know, give as a son's obligation is to harass his dad, right? Is hey, that, that routine only took you seven minutes, man. I trained two hours a day, blah, 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 you know, and I'll never forget what he said. He looked at me, this serious look on his face and with a little bit of a smirk, but, but it was kind of almost like a challenge. He goes, Dave, a little of something is better than a lot of nothing. And I never forgot that. And it's so true. I mean, how many people do you know that are, you know, they mean to get in better shape, right? They're going to do something, but they never get around to it. So this concept just does not apply to fitness. I mean, you, how many t- how many of us is, wait, we want to get, we want to learn Spanish or we want to learn guitar, but we don't have the time. You know, we're looking for this big time slot. And the reality is you can do a lot in a short period of time. If you decided I'm going to dedicate 10 minutes every day to whatever it might be. Guess what? In two years from now, you got a lot of time into that. You've made massive progress. So I've never forgot that. I think it's an incredibly important rule that you can apply so many ways. A little something's better than a lot of nothing. Number two, lesson number two that I learned from my pop is if being angry helps, then get really angry. Let me say that again. If being angry helps, then get really angry. So uh, I remember one time in particular, I was in my early 20s. I'd lost my wallet and all the things that goes into losing your wallet. You know, you have to call your credit card company and, and go down to the DMV and get a new driver's license and, you know, all those kind of things, right? And I was just, it happened and I was venting. I was mad and I had that kind of sense of righteous indignation. I'm like, you know, stomping around the house and bang and things and, and 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 so my dad lets it go for a little while and and 20 minutes later I'm still banging around the house and my pop goes uh Dave can I ask you a question I go, what is it you know he goes is angry is I just curious is being angry helping right now I go what do you mean he goes well he goes if being angry is helping then you ought to get really mad but if not how about you just take care of what you got to do and not be so angry and, you know, it's like it took me a second to, to kind of really hear the wisdom. And I don't know that I, I heard it at that very moment. But over time, man, boy, have I heard that that go off in my head time and time again, right? I remember uh, one time in particular, I remember backing one of my cars into the other car in the driveway. And I managed to scratch the passenger side of one car with the driver's side door of the other. It's nobody else's fault. It's only mine. They barely were touching. That's why I didn't hear it. I was looking over my right my right shoulder, right? And the car that I backed into was on the left. And I barely heard something. And I look around and it's like, ah. And I got out. And I was just so angry uh, for about, oh, I don't know, 20 or 30 seconds. Then I hear my dad's voice going, boom, if being angry helps, then be angry. If not, just take care of it. And I thought to myself, wow, my biggest problem right now is I back one really nice car into another really nice car. That's my problem. I have two nice cars. You guys, you get where I'm going with this. And so quickly, I was able to take a breath and just kind of let it pass. I still had to call the insurance company. I still had to take care of it. I still had to pay the deductible. But being angry wasn't going to make the deductible price go down. And since then, I've applied this numerous times, especially to like travel. I travel a lot and with travel is going to come delayed flights, canceled flights, lost luggage, all those things. And if you don't watch it, man, travel can be extremely stressful. Uh, however, if you kind of go into the mindset that you're, you're, whatever happens, you're just going to be calm and collective. I tell you what, it goes a long ways. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm always perfect, but I'll tell you what, when I'm mindful, when I'm aware of the, the emotion that I'm experiencing, I'm so far from always perfect, by the way. Uh, but I, I, my, my, excuse, my, my mistakes are more noticeable, or I, I notice them more than I did in the past. And when you're aware of the, the, the your emotion, then that's the first tech to, to being able to kind of direct it, right? And you can go, wow, I'm upset right now. Even that is massive progress, All right? So that's the, the, the next habit, super important, okay? Is that being angry helps? And the lesson, I should say, then get really angry. Number next, 
When you're in a hurry, take your time. Let me say that again. When you're in a hurry, take your time. And this is actually one of the lines that my, my grandfather, my dad's dad, would use all the time. Well, you know, we're in a hurry, take your time. But the whole concept, uh, well, let me say, I remember a time specifically, uh, uh, we were backpacking. I'm going to share a couple backpacking stories with you because it's something I did with my father quite a bit as a kid. And, uh, we would use these what's called a tube tent. I don't even know if they meet it and make them anymore. But but what it basically is, it's a giant, uh, you know, roll of plastic, kind of like imagine a, 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 a what a green garbage bag with the ends cut out on both sides, except it's really big. And what happens, you run a rope through the middle of it, and you tie it to two trees, and you put some rocks on the inside corners, and all of a sudden you got yourself a tent, right? And it's and it and what you need though is in order for a tube tent to work, is you need to have two trees or two things to tie it to on both either sides, which uh, it works great if that's what you have. And I remember this one time we were backpacking, and a storm was coming. Uh, it was the, it starting a thunderstorm, right? There was it was clearly the clouds and the lightning was going and the thunder, but it hadn't started raining yet. And I was just working really hard, frustrated, trying to get my uh, my my tube tent up. And and the tr- one tree was too small, so it was bending. And and I tried to branch on the other one. And I was just stressing out, man. I was stomping and kicking and stressing out and trying to get this done. And, and my pop walks over and goes, What's, "How's it going, man?" He goes, "Oh, I'm just trying to get this going." And he, he looked at me, and he, and he looked at me. He said, "Dave, hey, look at me." He says, "When you're in a hurry," and I knew what to. Say. I knew the follow up because I'd been hearing it my whole life. Take your time, I responded. And, and you know, I was like, okay. I took a breath. I found another tree. And ironically, I'll never forget this, is, is, is that what happened? I was able to get it up relatively quickly. And I remember just kind of trying to be calm and smooth. And I remember I finally got my tube tent up. I threw my backpack and my sleeping bag in there and everything uh, to protect it from the rain. And as soon as I did that, the rain started coming down hard. It was almost like on cue. It was pretty cool. Well, so this concept, when you're in a hurry, take your time, is really valuable as a teacher. So if you're trying to get someone to do something correctly, sometimes if they go too fast or if you teach them too fast, what happens is they establish bad habits that they have to break later on. And so... Uh, I find also as an athlete, as a martial arts athlete, if I try to learn a new technique and I go too fast too soon, I cut some corners, I establish some bad habits, I have to go back and it takes me longer than it would have if I just went slow and smooth and methodical until I really got it down. So there's a great quote, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. I believe it comes from the military. But man, that, that's kind of the same thing as when you're in a hurry, take your time. So a really important lesson that you can apply so many different places. Uh, all right, next one. Choose your battles wisely. So uh, my father had this really long fuse. He didn't get angry very easy at all. And when he did, he kind of got your attention, though. You know, so he was pretty, uh, as, a, as a parent, pretty flexible. Of course, uh, my, my brother, Tim, and my sister, Cindy, and I were all pretty good kids for the most part. We didn't get in crazy amounts of trouble. So that may have made him, uh, gave us a little bit more flexibility. But, you know, he they, they were, were not authoritarians by any stretch. But when something was important to it, we knew about it. And I'll never, I'll never forget one time, I'm about 17 years old. I've had a job for a few years, so I had my own spending money. And I buy a Honda 450 from my martial arts instructor, Bruce Jutnick. And it's got a fairing and a radio. I think it's the coolest thing ever. By the way, my pop was very clear no motorcycles. He he had had some motorcycles as a kid and and done some stupid stuff. And he was determined to not let his boys or his daughter own a motorcycle. So that we knew that that was a fast rule. But as I'm driving at home, I'm thinking, ah, yeah, I'll get him over this. It's going to be okay. You know, he he he'll you know he'll be angry for a minute, but you know, my dad, he'll what's he going to do, right? So I pull into the driveway, 
Uh, and he walks out, he, he walks out to meet me and he's got a pretty irritated look on his face. And I'm, I'm like going, Oh, maybe this is not going to be as easy as possible. And I brace myself and, 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 you know, to what's how, what my, how I'm going to address this with him. And he looks at me and he goes, nice bike, sell it. He puts his hand out. I give him the keys. That's the last time I ever <laughs> rode that motorcycle. Right. And by the way, I didn't even bother to push it because I knew it was one of those things I knew without a doubt that he was not budging from this. He was not budging. He's, you know, he looked the other way a lot of times, but he wasn't going to look the other way on this one. This was his battle that he chose to fight and he was going to win it. And it was really clear. So I, I tell you what, I've used that so much with, you know, interacting with my kids and also with my, with my peers, the people that I work with, right. Is I try not to push my way too much and until something's important to me and then then I'll stand up and that usually works a little bit better. Next one, don't take yourself too seriously. So my pop has always been someone that had no problem, you know, putting on uh, Mickey Mouse ears or singing in a falsetto voice at a party or whatever it might be. And there's one thing that we would do as kids is we would do this thing. He called it the Aga Baga. It was this goofy rain dance chant. It was like the anti-rain dance. And so if we went backpacking, we didn't want it to rain, we would do the Aga Baga. By the way, clearly, story I told a minute ago, the Aga Baga didn't work that trip, right? But anyway, and this amounted to what you do is you put your left pinky in your ear and you'd raise your right hand in the air and you wiggle it and you'd say back and forth and say fee fi fo fum aga baga by the way that it was always changing but the deal was and he'd get everybody to do it and everybody i remember as a kid thinking oh dad this is so stupid but everybody participate and you know everybody snicker a little bit well ironically a couple months back i dropped by to see them at their retirement home and i go into the the rec room and they're playing like the a, a, some kind of game of like like bowling right uh and what do you know my dad's got all these 80 90 year olds doing the aga baga and it just cracked me up. So he's never, you know, he's never taken himself too seriously. He's never, he's never had a problem just kind of uh, enjoying himself. Next habit, or next, uh, I should say, next lesson that I learned from my pop, and that is, is the ability to give undivided attention. The ability to give undivided attention. So one of the things that, that a gift that, that some people have, and my father certainly does, and, and I, I'm working on it. I, I can't say that I have it, but I, I try to be conscious of doing this. And that is, is that when my, when my pop meets someone or talks to someone, he is all in. He is all ears. He's got both his ears wired into what you're saying. And he's sincerely interested in people and what they're doing. And because of that, people like to be around him, right? They like to, to interact with my father because he makes them feel good. He makes them feel important. Uh, um, and, and, uh, and one of the things I remember as a kid, my first trip, this would have been when I was about five or six years old, a road trip with my father. He was going to cash in his VA or you know get a VA loan to buy our first house. And this was in Bozeman, Montana. And we had to drive to the VA, which was about two hours away. And I got to be with my pop all day. And, and this was back before seatbelts. Not only, I don't think cars had seatbelts, but I would, my spot was I would stand on the back seat behind my pop. That would be, I would not, not even sit down, right? And, and I just gabbed all day. And I remember the, I still remember the restaurant. We went to this Chinese restaurant that first time I'd had the fried rice. I remember thinking it was so good. And, but my dad was just all ears for me that day. You know, I just, and, and, and of course other times since then, but man, the, our ability to give somebody undivided attention is massive. Next one, savor the moment, savor the moment. What the heck does that mean? Well, uh, you know, it's it's about drawing attention to the moment, right? So, so that's my favorite word uh, is savor, and, and the reason why is it, it, it it's a sense of. 
present focus and appreciation, right? Savor a good meal, savor time with friends, savor a good sunset, right? You get the idea, savor a good song. And, and I think it's a profound word. And, and, and I, I didn't really realize this until like, man, in the last few years that, 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 that how much of an influence my pop had in this. And I'll tell you why. I can't tell you how many times we're at a family gathering and he'll look around and he'll say, stop and look around everybody. Take a second. Take a breath. These are the good old days. And man, how true is that? Like right now, whatever you're going through, I promise you in 10 years, you're going to look back on these days as the good old days, right? But so many of us forget to think about that in the moment, right? And this is the reminder of that, that these are the good old days to savor the moments. Uh, he also, my pop was never afraid to, you know, show his gratitude through prayer. Like, like uh, at any moment, always ready to just say a prayer of thanks, whether it be for a meal or a gathering with friends and, and, uh, uh, and just really drawing attention to the here and now, which is, it's, it's where we should spend our time, but it's really hard to do so because we usually tend to be thinking about the future or, or, or wallowing in the past, right? So savor the moment. Next one is things have a way of working out. Things have a way of working out. So I don't know about you, but there's been plenty of times when like maybe I pulled into the grocery store, you know, to grab some stuff and I went inside and I realized it in my wallet. It's like, ah, oh, man, I got to drive all the way home. My And what do you know that I, I go back into my car and what do you know? There's a $20 bill, you know, in my glove box. It's like, oh, I'm able to get the essentials and get back at it. Or you're, maybe you're, man, the, the parking lot is full. You're late for an engagement and you, you go up one more aisle and there's one person leaves. You get that last spot. Now, I mean, that's happened for all of us, right? And the bottom line is most of the time, there's certainly exceptions, but most of the time, things have a way of working out, right? And I remember one time in particular, we were backpacking with a group of kids. And this is back in the day when we, when, when uh, this was back in the 70s and we didn't, my pop would very rarely follow a trail. He had a map and, and, uh, he grew up in Montana and Minnesota and felt like he kind of fancied himself as a backwoods guy. And yeah, I guess he was because we always managed to make it home. And so he wasn't too concerned if we stayed on the trail. And this is back before it mattered right now with, you know, you don't go off the trail due to ecology reasons, right? Taking care of the environment, et cetera. But back then it didn't really matter as much. So all of a sudden we'd be bushwhacking. And I remember, you know, we'd be going over this hill. We're looking for a lake. And I remember going up to dad going, being all concerned, like, dad, dad, we got all these people, man. Cause he would, my dad would lead a backpack full of like maybe 20 high school kids. And what are we going to do? You know? And he goes, don't worry, Dave, things have work working out. I go, but you don't know where we're going. I go, he'd say, son, I got my compass. You know, we're going North. That's the direction of the lake. Don't worry about it, man. Things always have a way of working out. And guess what? We always found the lake. Like there was never a time that we didn't. Right. And so I think it's so important if you, once again, if you look at the cha- any challenge you're currently faces facing, chances are really good. You're going to get through through it. It's going to work out. So if we can take the time in the heat of the moment to really be mindful of that, man, it it, it will help calm us and help us get there. Next one, honesty is the best policy. Now we all know in theory how valuable this is and how important this is, but I tell you what, uh, my dad was honest to a fault if there's such a thing, right? Uh, And and, uh, I tell you what, there's one particular uh, uh, what a story that that uh, that really grabs me that that, that I'm going to share with you. So, um, 
when I was, uh, you know, I don't know if it's still what still the deal is, but you could get uh, movie tickets at a discounted rate from when you're 12 or under, right? I'm probably 14 or 15 years old, but I'm I'm super tiny. When I got my driver's license, I was 5'3 and weighed 115 pounds. My voice didn't change until I was like 17 or 18, right? And so I could pass for really young. And I remember standing in line, we're going to go to the movies. And I remember looking at my bad pop saying, hey, pop. Just tell him I'm 12. And if you tell him I'm 12, you'll, you know, save you, you know, two bucks or something. And I'll never forget what he said. He looked at me and he said, my honesty is worth more than two bucks. It's like, there's no friggin' way. He wasn't going to, he was not going to save two bucks and be dishonest. It's just not what he was going to do. It wasn't even an option. It wasn't even something that entered in his mind. I remember thinking, wow, you know, that was, that was pretty cool. And, and so just through the years, this is somebody that, that, you know, you always, he was always good for his word, you know, and, 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 uh, that was a great example of that. So I don't know about you, but, but to be honest and little things is no little thing. And when you find and when you're around people and you see them doing things that, you know, above the board that are correct and honest in this little things, that's a pretty good sign that then if, if when the going gets tough, they're going to do the right thing as well. So honesty is the best policy. Next one, don't be too quick to judge. Once again, don't be too quick to judge. And at one time, Ah, uh, my first job was actually at our church. I would have been 14 years old and I was uh, the janitor there. And I, I remember the situation because they had a full-time 40-hour week janitor, but it turned out he was spending a lot of time kind of like sleeping in the back room and wasn't really doing much. And so they had to let him go. And it, it happened like like right at the beginning of June and, and they were in a pinch. They had a wedding that weekend and they had you know, all, and, and the lawn needed to be mowed, et cetera. And so my pop goes, hey, you know, it was going to be a temporary gig. Yeah, and and but 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 hey, you want to? You know, and of course, I was all, all I was all in for for you know making some money. I remember I made two twenty five an hour for whatever that's worth, and I worked about twenty hours a week during the summer, and I would go from there to the karate school, and I started getting paid for that about a year later. So, but I, I remember one particular time uh, I was sweeping. Uh, rice. This is back when they used to throw rice after the wedding. I was sweeping rice up and this guy rides up and it's this old man that's got a bunch of stuff in the handlebars of his bike. I can still picture the bike. It's this old beat up thing. And you know, nowadays you'll see maybe a lot of homeless people on bikes and uh, uh, we're kind of uh, used to it, right? But but this was, you didn't see much of this then. But this guy was like dressed really bizarre and, and he just kind of gave off a really weird vibe and, and he got off his bike and he put the kickstand down and my, my dad was uh, doing something in the general area I was and I remember just being really put off by this guy. And he walked up and asked my pop a question. My pop turned around and just fully engaged in, in, in him, right? Uh, you know, he... he uh, uh, you know, it was just super kind with the guy, interacted and, and you know, and, and next thing you know, they're joking and talking and, 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 and anyway, long story short, this guy was not homeless by any stretch. It turned out he was a very eccentric, but wealthy guy that lived around the corner that my, my father and him ended up, you know, hitting up a relationship and ended up, this guy ended up donating to the church and, and, you know, being a, a real kind of a, what, a real asset, you know, to the church. But it was my, my father was not passing judgment on this guy by the way he looked or, or what he was wearing, or what he was riding, and and uh, you know, missed out you know, on on a really really interesting relationship, and uh, that he may not have had otherwise. And, and how many times have I passed judgment on somebody and been incorrect, right? And so, if you are going to be quick to judge, I think it's important that you give people the benefit of the doubts. You know, you you, you believe that, that they're going to be they're 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 honest over dishonest, so to speak. Now that now that doesn't mean you're gonna you're uh, you know you're gonna do stupid stuff, but in general. 
you know, give people the benefit of the doubt is always a good choice. Next one, we got a couple more to go. Okay, is decisions are best made with a clear head. Let me say that again. Decisions are best made with a clear head. So uh, we all know this to be true. One of my favorite quotes, and I've, I've, you maybe heard it before, is never make an important decision when you're angry or upset. It's like letting a coward lead your army. How many times in my life have I been like, you know, angry or upset with somebody or a situation and wanted to say or do something? Boom. That that uh, that I might regret later on. How many times have you ever written an angry email and pushed the send button, or an angry text and pushed the send button, only to wish you hadn't been later, right? And and so I, I tell you what, like like I I just was talking to a friend of mine who's going through a hard time and he's got some is really upset with a particular individual and and he's going to tell him all this stuff. And I, I said, I'll tell you what, man, why don't you do this? Why don't you write that note? What first thing you do is do not put their name in the email box, right? Write that note. Boom, you know, put everything you want down in that, but do not send it tomorrow. See how you feel. And the guy calls me back the next day and goes, oh, man, I'm so glad I didn't send that. That would have been really bad, right? Because that moment of righteous indignation when you want to say something that's going to do something that's going to feel really good in the moment, that's going to hurt you, it's going to sabotage you in the long haul. Man, you know, we've all done that at some time or another. And one example with my father. And where, I, where I'm giving him credit for this lesson is I remember I'd been in business. I opened up a, my first school in November of 1978, a martial arts school in North Highlands, California. It would have been about uh, March or April, about three months later. And I'm still living at home. My rent is super cheap, but it's like the third of the month and I have no rent money. And, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm like, I'm, I've only been in business for a couple of months and however much the, the uh, much the rent was, it, it would not have been a lot by today's standards, but it was a lot of money then. And I remember like freaking out and being really concerned and, and telling my dad, I knew what I was going to do. I was going to go down to the landlord's place and see if I can get out of lease and cancel, cut my losses, you know, just get out of this business and I'll, I'll teach in the park on Saturday, you know, and Mary was saying, calm down, dad, calm down, Dave, calm down, take a breath. And I'll tell you what, man, what, what, what's, what's your, you know, when's your late date? I go, well, I got to have rent by in two days, right? On, on the fifth at the latest. He goes, okay. First thing you need to do is make clear your head because right now you're not thinking really clear and you're likely to say or do something that you're, you, you might not be happy about. Now, are you enjoying your job overall? Yeah, I love it. I think it's good, but yeah. Well, all right, man, we'll get through it. We'll get through it. So the, what I want you to do is I just very want you to clear your head, okay, and, 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 and let's figure it out. And what do you know? Over the course of the next couple of days, I get some students to pay you know enough money. I'm able to make the rent, right? And I kept myself from doing something that, that uh, you know, could have caused issues, you know, uh, on, on the flip side. So decisions are best made with a clear head. And the last one, last lesson, and I'm sure there's other ones, but the last one we're going to talk about today is appreciate friendship. Appreciate friendship. So one of the, the things that, that, that uh, uh, as, as, a, as a minister, especially a small town minister, and we we're in Montana, and then we moved to, to, to California, one of the things that their job is to check on their flock, right? So they spend a lot of time checking on people that are the downtrodden and people in their in their in their parish that are, are are sick or injured or have gone through some kind of hardship, right? And so that was, you know, it, it came pretty natural to my pop because he's a concerned guy. But I remember when I was a kid going on some of these rounds with him, you know, going and just being there for people, right? Uh, I remember one time, and I don't know who died, and I'm not sure why I was with him. I, I it, it's, that's, that's a little cagey, but I went into a room 
and there was uh, uh, and, and my guess it was uh, they had just found out that somebody had passed. And like I said, I was probably six or seven years old. I didn't quite understand what was going on, but I remember people walking in. There was a room full of people crying, and my pop walked in and said, that, you know, he hugged a couple of people and and he sat and talked and and just really heard them and uh, uh, and, and went about his business. Well. The bottom line was, is that my dad has spent his life appreciating friendships and going out of his way for the people, his friends in his life. And because of that, he is, has, you know, people like to spend time with him. He has this amazing group of friends. And, and so I think one of the things in order to, to get, we got to know that we need to give first. And that when it comes to how's the quote, it's very cliche, but it's so true. In order to have a friend, you need to be a friend. And that's one of the things that I, I know I can do a lot better. And, uh, and, and, but I'm working on it. One of the things that I try to do is I try to stay connected. Almost every day I reach out either on Facebook, text, phone, email, and I reach out to an old friend or an old client just to touch bases, just to check on them. And, uh, and first off, it's nice to stay connected, but also it's the right thing to do. And you never know when your presence and your time with somebody else is going to make a difference and it's going to give them over that hump that could, that, 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 uh, what could be massive for them. So that is my 12 lessons. And I want to just, I'm going to go through them real fast. So lesson number one, a little of something is better than a lot of nothing. Next one, if being angry helps, then get really angry. Next one, when you're in a hurry, take your time. Choose your battles wisely. Don't take yourself too seriously. Give undivided attention. Savor the moment. Remember that things have a way of working out. Honesty is the best policy. Don't be too quick to judge. Decisions are best made with a clear head and appreciate friendship. I And I appreciate your time and effort and effort. Like it took a lot of effort to stay here. Hopefully it didn't take a lot of effort for you to tune in. I appreciate you being here. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends and hope to see you next time. Or hope to probably won't see you next time, but hope to know that you're going to tune in next time as well. Bye-bye.